0: welcome to another week on the just basketball show i am brendan clean that is chris manning thank you for joining us the basketball has been great so we are very thrilled to be here with all of our listeners Make sure to follow us on social media wherever you are. We are TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And of course, if you're finding the show for the first time, hit that follow or subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Five stars, a nice rating, a nice review would do a lot as well. We're going to be talking about NBA Dark Horses on today's show. But before that, we have a ton of games and a little bit of news to get into. So, Chris, Mm. um, actually, I have a, a little bit of a of a fun story if you'll allow we have we have a busy show but i had an awesome experience this weekend Uh, my high school was in the state championship game and they have two guys who might be top three nba draft picks so i had a little bit of pride i drove like an hour from my house to go watch this game they just blew out the opposing team but my little tiny high school i was like the fifth graduating class and now they have some nba players on their team and i was like it's a little sentimental, but it was also very cool because I got to see talented dudes in Arizona, which is not a powerhouse. Well, no. sh- shout out the names. Give us, give us some names. Yeah, so... Next, so Jonathan Gavoni on ESPN did his top ten mock draft for twenty twenty four, which got a lot of attention because of Bronny James. Which and like conversation for a different day. Like we didn't talk
1: about that, but uh, we. I (laughs) I am looking forward to future talking about Bronny and things I would do to like get Bronny and also like maybe get LeBron James on my basketball team for a year, even if he's forty years old.
0: Yeah. I think you uh in Cleveland have maybe an inside track on that that others do not. just but, trade all um, of the future seconds and you, uh, lots of rocket
1: mortgage like loose capital, and let let's go like let's yeah. let's let's do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but number two on that mock draft was Cody Williams who is the brother of Jalen Williams from the Oklahoma City Thunder. One, which, which He's supposed to go number well, two. Which, which J- he was on this which team. J- he's a which, senior. Which Jalen Williams? We have to specify. Yeah, exactly. The uh, J-Dub, the one that doesn't have a Y in his name, the better one, the <laughs> one with the bigger, uh, bigger hair, although they both have big hair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's not like that, though. He's not like big and bulky like Jalen is. He's more of like a Jalen McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels type. Okay. Uh, Was not going to lie. This is I don't want to be the like I watch one guy's prospect tape. And now I I know where he should be drafted person because that's always the most fun with basketball. But didn't really see number two overall pick in that game. Um, Okay, but the the biggest one, Koa Pete. Remember this name, Koa Pete. Uh, This dude is a sophomore, 6'8". He won MVP of this game. He was. Three times the athlete of anybody else on this court. And apparently the 2026 draft class, yes, we're doing that, uh, is like one for the ages. Carlos Boozer's son is in this, and then this guy co and then there's a third kid named Cooper Flag. But uh, keep that name in mind because this dude's a freak. I wouldn't be surprised if he transfers and I never get to see him in Arizona again. He goes to some prep school. Sure. But uh man. He's like six eight. He's like Jabari Parker already. Is what is kind of like the vibe.
1: Well, Jabari Parker is like a very loaded thing. Like obviously, like a high draft pick, but like <laughs> sure. you know maybe didn't like work out in the way you would have hoped. But that's really cool. That I'm happy. But in you. high school and college, yeah, awesome player. Dude is a freak. Yeah, I'm I'm ha- yeah. I'm happy yeah, for so. you that your, your high school gets this. Like I don't think there will ever be a athlete like that where i went to school there will be guys in the area because like there's like a very large like catholic private high school contingent of very good Mm. sports teams in the area like a ton of kids that like play football at st ed's and like go play at ohio state or like wrestle and like go win like national titles in college as wrestlers and stuff and some basketball players like Mm. terry rogier obviously um there's like some other guys from the area and like you know You know, like maybe there's like another St. Mary kid. There's like one in the league right now, like from the post LeBron era. But yeah, nothing quite
0: like that. I'm jealous of that. Like there's nothing more. What's hilarious is I went to a public school, like out in the like very far reaches where it was basically like farmland around me when I went to school, like not even suburbs, but like the boondocks type of thing, because that's (laughs) just where I was like zone to go to high school and the Arizona is so sprawling. There's a joke. So this is not like (laughs) I went to Catholic school and I'm out here like, Yeah, look at that. Crazy, huh? No, like I went to a very small public school. It just grew. Kids just like there's so many kids there now. Eventually you're gonna get talent. Brent there's Brent, I'm texting you something that I don't want to
1: say in the air, but uh just tell me if that if that's accurate or not, and then we'll move yeah, on. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. Okay.
0: It is a county it is a county that would be accurately described the way that you just texted it to me. Um, you saw some soccer this weekend. I don't wanna I don't wanna <laughs> make it all about my weekend. How was uh how was the soccer? Uh Tottenham is incredibly disappointing. <laughs> um just lots of I meant the game you went to look, more so than uh, anything uh, the, else.
1: Yeah, so, but the Columbus crew are tons of fun. MLS is great. Um it's Brennan, it's amazing. Like, and I think this is regardless of soccer or basketball or any sport that is like built on like constant motion. I think the best teams in 2023 and the teams that are at the very least the most fun to watch are willing to like push the ball forward and like try to do stuff with the ball and not just like maintain possession or like be very risk adverse. The crew weren't exactly like like just open season, like just whipping stuff around everywhere. Like you could have argued they couldn't have even been more aggressive, but like they transitioned from Caleb Porter, who once could have been the national team head coach and like should not be now, uh, Jim Curlin. Jim Curlin for U.S. national team coach. I want to have that like on the re- on the record. And they went to Wilfred Nancy, who's like the coach of CF Montreal before this. And it's like the system is just like give it. Like I, it's so fun. Crew games are a lot of fun. I I, I
0: recommend if you can go to like get some MLS, but also like this is a. Shouts to uh, new Bucks owner Jimmy Haslam, <laughs> new new Bucks minority owner. Um, that'll be the basketball tie-in. The, 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 uh, but Chris, oh a game boy. a game just wrapped up that we got to talk about, um, it, which is incredible. One of the, I mean, we incredible. have two games that I think have a claim to being the best of the season, and they happen both on ABC back-to-back nights. Uh, the basketball, as I said at the top of the show, was very very good this season. Or this. This weekend, 130 to 126 Suns beat the Mavs. I just yapped about this game for like 40 minutes straight on Locked on Suns. So I want to hear what you thought watching it as somebody who had a lot less emotional investment. I told my wife this season is going to kill me at one point watching this game. So I, I probably am coming at it a little more heated than you. What did you think, though? So
1: number one, I want to just say, like, I think it's great that these teams like clearly or at least like Booker and Luca are clearly annoyed with each other. I think that is great. I think how this game ends, yeah. which is Luca, Luca shoved off and didn't get the call because he knows he's not going to get called for it in that moment. He absolutely used the off arm and didn't get called for it, but he, he did, and then he misses, and then Durant gets the the rebound, and then you know free throws and blah blah blah. But the fact that Booker like points at the spot and like I think says like you missed or whatever he was doing there, or like someone got the foul, follow- whatever it was, I don't know. I didn't like try to lip yeah. read. The fact that he did that and it's like clearly intended at Luca, and then Luca gets annoyed at him and they have to be separated. It's just like, I want that. I want like more friction among our best players and among mm-hmm. our elite teams. I think this adds to it. It's great. But this game is also just like a really highly competitive, like playoffy kind of game. Like it's a very big shootout without Kyrie and Luca being like truly awesome as scores. Neither of those guys were really like the best versions of themselves in a way you'd expect they might be two or three times in a seven game series
0: which is crazy to say when they had 64 combined points but you're kind of right like Luca was inefficient yeah. and then Kyrie it was like I just didn't feel him as much in the second half he he felt like he faded away a little well, bit and I mean 30 for Kyrie it's like you he can do that and you don't even really f- notice it no, he he really wasn't right. there in that fourth quarter in a big way
1: No I I felt Luca was like way too like in his own little bubble in the fourth Like way too like not like not not looking for Kyrie. Like there's a lot of moments where like Luka drives and you see how the defense, whether it was this game or any other game, defenses then put like two or three on him and like collapse into the paint. There was like a crater that opens up on the perimeter for a shooter to slide in on the back end and for them to get open shot. Kyrie is often just like already standing in that spot and Luka is not even looking over there like that is just like easy book good opportunities good shots that they're just kind of giving up or Luka is kind of giving up I didn't like love the way he really played in this game honestly I think like not trying on defense I think like complaining about like every call like which is not a new thing but like like there's just a lot about this game about Luka like as good as he is I was just like. Booker just kind of like handled his business. KD just kind of handled his business. Chris Paul, the point God shows up in the fourth and is like awesome down the stretch and like had him like he had a moment like six, like oh, four or something like that. Gets the rebound. He pushes and he just like gets to the left elbow, puts a little pull up over Christian Wood. And I'm just like, this is some peak point God stuff. Chris Paul just like deep in his bag, picking his spots off of KD and Devin Booker. I love this Suns team. A great win for them. I would like to see this in the playoffs. That is where my head goes. Give me seven games of this in the playoffs. I really would like it. That might kill you, uh, but I would like it for me.
0: (laughs) No, I think it probably would. I think the, the, the most likely way we get this in the playoffs right now would be for the Suns to get to three. And for Dallas to get to six, uh, because I don't think Dallas is going to get to five with the Warriors playing pretty well. We'll talk about them later. So we'll see. But I I think so. You talked about picking your spots. I think that's kind of interesting because you could also look at Chris Paul only taking nine shots with seven assists and feel like that's just not making enough use of him. Um, How do you think about that? Because on the one hand, that's true. On the other hand, he did make the shot two shots late. And then the other part of it is you probably kind of like the idea of Chris Paul playing very few minutes and doing very little and still winning. If it means that you feel even 10% better that he's going to get through the playoffs healthy. Cause that's been a, I mean, that's been a big question is like the most obvious statement you could say about the NBA. Well, I I think that's
1: exactly it, right? Like you want Paul healthy. The Suns are going to be better with Chris Paul. You're going to have like everything that he provides. But I think even if it is not like playing fewer minutes when the chips are down and he's going to play like heavy minutes in the playoffs, I think just like what KD in there allows him to do is like not have to exert himself 100% every single time, right? Like he no longer has to like be full on exertion, pushing for stuff, like dictating everything. Like he, he can really just settle into being like, I'm the third banana my job is to like get DeAndre Eaton lobs and play defense and like and pick my spots on shots. Like It was a perfect thing for him, I think, Brandon, when he gets that rebound and he pushes and he, and he's like, okay, I know exactly how to get to the left elbow and get this shot off over Christian Wood and I'm going to stick it. And if you, he does that a couple times in a playoff series, that's a big deal. And I think especially in a world where he's going to be the guy probably that like an, a teams with big wings try to put him... One on one, like if they played Milwaukee in the finals, that's going to happen with Middleton and probably Drew that happened here with Luca. Even if like he is not apex Chris Paul, if he can exert a little less energy on offense and, and just having to do all of that because of KD, you have a better chance of Chris Paul showing up in those big moments and being the kind of defender you need him to be in those spots. This is just like such this is like I think really maybe it's there's more shots, there's more assist or whatever. Maybe his usage is higher. This to me is like the template of what a Chris Paul game should look like with Kevin Durant in the roster in a big game.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree and I think you 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 up your chances of getting something like what we saw in 2021 to close out the Clippers in the conference finals where he just goes for 40. He's feeling it, he's getting to his spots, he's getting open, he's shooting it over no matter how big the guy is in front of him and and you're just getting that moment. They're only going to need that a handful of times and I think they probably can get it. Uh, 73 combined from Booker and Durant, just filthy, crazy stuff. This the end of this game was just a shot making show. Like it was just a they were they might as well have filmed it and then they just send it to like Montverde in Florida and show the high school kids that want to be NBA players. This is this is what offense uh, can be at its highest form. And like one um, only one three for Booker.
1: Like very just get into the yeah. lane, hit pull ups, make tough shots. Like a very like
0: playoff-y, know how kind of performance from Devin Booker. I would have closed this game on the Mavs side with Christian Wood, would be my last thought here. Um, he played about as well on defense as I think you could expect from him, and he was very good on offense, drawing fouls, uh, getting rebounds even. And only He only had three, but it felt like he was on the glass. I wouldn't be surprised if they on-off, they got more rebounds when he was out there, and Dwight Powell just wasn't very good. So going forward, if they, when these teams play next, I don't know if they play again in the regular season, but... Definitely, if there's a playoff series, Wood is going to be a big X factor for this team no matter what? Uh, But I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised. Jason Kidd doesn't seem to like playing Christian. No, he does not. If he was going to do it in any game, I thought it would have been this one. He didn't do that, so we'll see. Uh, Saturday night, we had Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Another playoff caliber. Very, very good uh, superstar-laden game, Chris. 133-130. Sixers beat the Bucks 48 points in the fourth quarter for the Sixers we had Maxi getting this his second straight start over DeAnthony Melton we had Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker both going out with injuries so all of a sudden the Sixers who had been having this five man unit that they were comfortable with three of those guys switch over and they have Maxi McDaniels and Niang closing the game they were down 17 with 2 minutes left in the third and then I told you that 48 point fourth quarter, they come back to win it. Um, This was another one where it was just like playoff intensity, but also playoffs in the in the way that it's like just superstars making plays at the end of the day. And that's what it was.
1: This felt like a playoff game. Like this felt like a game between two teams that are like with two superstars, two of the best three to like four players in the league going at each other competing philly just like i think like philly just feels so legit to me now too in a way that like i don't know if i was there a month month and a half ago we still really need to see it in the playoffs and i think like ultimately i would have milwaukee and boston ahead of them in the east like this doesn't like change my opinion on that necessarily but like this this team is legit and i like a lot of that to me Brandon comes from how good james harden was in the second half of this game he's making threes he had a ton of assists he is making the shots you need him to like th- this is the kind of harden that if you get him enough and like he doesn't do the what he's done in the past in big moments and kind of like fall apart this is a harden that like really really can help you win and help you carry things and help you kind of like take the load off of mb and like he showed up in a really big game against a really good team he just did and like that that is credit to heart. we'll talk i think a little bit about maybe what is suck that, that what his future might hold later because there's just more noise about mm. that in a way that I find <laughs> very bizarre but in the moment right now with Philly like he, he is playing at this level I saw some I saw a couple people on Twitter kind of posit like okay he didn't make the all-star game he probably should have I think he should have been a, an all-star at least like more kind of yeah. talked about as a snub like is it possible he like backdoors his way into like all NBA like we're going <laughs> to do an all-NBA episode but like I, it feels like he should be in the running for that at this point in one of the one of the six guard spots
0: He's been very good. Uh, He still has so many of these games where he just uh, doesn't make twos, Uh, but that's fine. That's nitpicking. He was six of 17 from two-point range in this game, and that's just Harden. Like I don't want to dive in too much on that because he was excellent, but uh, yeah, 38 points, 10 assists, just two turnovers. I was pretty fascinated with him on how he... Well, I doubt it was just him. The Sixers had a clear plan to attack Middleton. And it's always one of these things that's interesting when you think you know who the, the you know matchup manipulator types are going to go after, right? Whether that's LeBron or Luka or Harden or whoever. And then it's somebody different. And we think of Middleton as good positional defender, sturdy, strong, long arms, big for his position, all that stuff. He's coming off of injury. I'm sure that had something to do with it, but they wanted him off of switches and they got him and Harden cooked and it worked. That really jumped out to me mm-hmm. as, as far as what they're doing. And then I also think watching more of this team, because they've been on national TV constantly, I, and I'm down for it, keep doing it, because the, the games have been incredible, Chris. Uh, but the way that that team is able to use their two best players together i mean we were just talking about it with dallas right those guys both had 30 plus against the suns on sunday but it didn't feel like they were making each other better um joel and and harden the way that that two-man game is able to work and benefit both players that's up there to me in terms of the best teams in the NBA incorporating their best two guys and actually having it mean something for the team. That's been really special to watch for sure. I mean, I think it was like, they're the two only two players this season with 30 and 10 assists combined or in many years They're they've been filthy lately. Harden and Embiid is a two
1: man game, particularly like the pick and roll they will run and the variations. Like whether it's, you know, like, like a, whatever version of the pick and roll it is. It's like nearly unguardable. Like it just is like Embiid. If you, Here's what you're picking between. You're picking between Harden, making giving him an open three. Even if he's not as explosive as it he was, he's gonna make a good chunk of those shots if you leave him open. If you overcommit to Embiid, If to Embiid, or if you or if if it's he, you let him pass. He's gonna make a good pass. He's a really good passer. If it's Embiid, it's like okay, like do you put, get let him go one on one on a quick roll and get up and maybe get an n one? Do you put two on him and he still maybe is gonna draw a foul? Like is he gonna and maybe he makes the read out of that to like a shooter or whatever? Like. There's no like good option for you in defending that. It is not like some of these like centers where even if they're like a good lob threat, like you could maybe if you defend it correctly and you have a smart enough center, you could maybe kind of get them into being at the the free throw line and having to take a floater or just like reset the offense. Like that never happens. It feels like with these two guys. And if and if you're telling me like, hey, they could ride this deep into the playoffs. Like it is. This is a good enough duo, particularly when you surround it with shooting. To just be like a real, real problem for any of these teams. Like, it would not shock me, Brennan, whether if they get like, even if they don't win, it would not shock me at all if like this Philly team like takes like a Boston or a Milwaukee to seven and it's like a slugfest for seven games. Would not shock me at all. Like, even when Boston, like they have, they have Horford and Time Lord. Like, I would take Joel just like probably performing really well in the series, even with those two guys. He's just that good. And like Harden is a big, big part of that, even with some of the defensive stuff they could throw at him with the wings.
0: I don't think there's anybody who who really can stop Embiid at this point. I mean, I, I don't think there's any team where I'm like he'll struggle, right? Um Like what? And what, I think like, you're right that what what is the
1: yoke? What is like the version of defending Embiid that teams have done with Jokic, which like not every team can do. But it's like, hey, let's put our like really strong little smaller four and on him directly in the post, and then we put our five room protector like and help and make and, and challenge him. That what is
0: the to me? What do you do with Embiid? Yeah. To me, I think the only time that I feel like Embiid struggles is when he's tired or when he just makes bad decisions. Right. And so I think you can probably get him to make some bad decisions by mixing up the help. I think you still would want some you want, obviously, against any big man like that, somebody who can stand up with him one on one in the post and not fall apart foul too much whatever that's easier said than done but that's the first ingredient I think it's less so about sort of like the help against him directly like doubling him or trying to block his shot at the rim because he's as big and tall as Jokic is Embiid has another three inches and like 30 pounds right and so you're not doing that it's more just make him turn the ball over make him feed the wrong guy whatever but the stat that I had Chris is the Sixers are the second best clutch net rating in the NBA this season yeah And it's like you think of them as a team that can be so kind of up and down with that stuff. They're not really. Um, They've been pretty consistently good. And I thought it was really telling. There there was a moment about two minutes left in the game when Harden had been cooking. Jalen McDaniels got fouled on that three. Then Drew hits a corner three and then they run another pick and roll. The Bucs were up in that game at that point by four, they run a pick and roll and you can Harden has a direct opening from the right wing. He's driving to the basket. I think Lopez was out of the paint and he dishes it to Embiid who misses and he wasn't really in rhythm, whatever Harden had had the momentum that felt like a really telling moment. Jalen McDaniels ends up getting the putback dunk on that shot. People will remember that play, Mm -hmm. but that felt really big to me that even when Harden had it going, he was like, I know we're going to like, even if it's a month from now, I need to do this right, and he did it, and and then they obviously still end up winning the game because they make some bonkers threes at the end. Uh, quickly on the Bucks, though, Giannis. This was a typical Giannis doesn't play well game. This we've seen this before. Lots of turnovers. He doesn't get to get going in transition because they build a wall. When he does catch the ball, he hesitates. There's help. He's you know passes the wrong direction. He tosses up some bad you know short floater type of tough shots that don't go in. It builds on itself and then you look up and yes, the production is there, but not not a difference making game. And, you know, seven turnovers is is kind of ugly. Nine of twenty-one from the field. I'm not worried about Giannis, but I think Embiid proved reminded us. I don't think he proved it. We knew it. He reminded us that he is an answer against Giannis in big games. He
1: and he'll like if we get this in the playoffs, and it's very possible this is like the two, three second round matchup. That that's one of those things that absolutely decides a series. That is like could tilt the series. That could change where this is going. That and that is, I think, incredibly worth noting. This is this is the kind of thing that if a like Giannis had three two two of these games in a series, like that's maybe enough. Like that that that's how close we could get with this. I think it's maybe it could be a little farther than that in terms of separation, but that feels like a little bit on the table to me in that way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think there's also that element you always have with Giannis, though, where it's like, okay, was he really... I don't think he was playing 100%. Not that I, I'm saying the injuries that he's been dealing with were the problem, but he just can turn it up. And until I until I see him struggle against this team when I know he's playing at 100% aggressiveness, it's hard for me to fully judge. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Philly won't feel bad that they got to win anyway. All right, uh, some, some interesting and a little little darker news here, Chris. Um, the the Memphis Grizzlies had about the worst Saturday, I think, in the history of Saturdays sure. this weekend with not only coming off of a loss against Denver, which we could talk about if you want to, yeah. but also F- Brandon Clark tears his Achilles. And then Ja uh, with the suspension slash choice to step away from the team after criminal allegations, as well as uh, uh, an IG live that I think he would take back if he could, where he's flashing a gun at uh, what looks like a strip club releases a statement uh, about taking some time away. So the jaw story is obviously the biggest that's its own separate thing, but things have not been great for Memphis recently.
1: No. And like the jaw thing is like the, it just like adds to all of it. Like it doesn't make any of this like easier if like for from a team perspective. Like I would like love to know like privately, like what is like what do what the teammates think right now about this? Like what, what are what is their reaction to this? Because like this is a team that has not necessarily shied away from like extracurricular, like feeding into like rivalries like with the Timberwolves. Like Dylan Brooks obviously is on their team and like that adds like a certain level of things. But this is like a whole other thing. This is like a real world thing. Like I'm sure like just like it went off at like a like a bomb amid you know, like on Twitter and like and talking to like people in my life about that the the Washington Post John Moran article. Like before that we even get this Instagram live. It is like this really big thing. Um like look, credit to him, you know, for, for the statement, I guess. Like as much as like I like I'm sure like there's a PR team involved in that. Like, you know, it's hard to know exactly like I, I the cynic in me is like I don't know how much we can always attribute like Someone's actual words and some of these things, because like, there's just no way like he's like actually probably writing that himself. It's just like that's not how this this works, you know?
0: No, but I do think there's something. I think there's a version of events here where if he also deactivated his social media accounts, good. We all know. probably should um, do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, unless you, unless you're following right the just
1: basketball accounts, then keep them.
0: Sure. Then just have one follow and log in once a day to check our stuff yeah. and go off. But no, I think. There's a version of this where he keeps pushing back. He keeps being kind of obstinate about it, which... For sure. Absolutely. Without putting without putting blame on, uh, or without putting a, a reason behind what he did, it wasn't just that it was another incident with the IG Live. It was the doubling down of it, right? Because that article comes out. There's a lot of noise around this scene, which there already had been, because some of the things in that post article were bits and pieces had already been out there and then that kind of brought it all together, put some new allegations out there, whatever. He could have let that be the moment to, to to take a step back. He doubles down with that, that live. And so I think that there is something to be said for finally having kind of that rock bottom moment. And I would imagine that doing it this way to me Chris with the at least two games he's going to step away. We don't know what the pressure was from either side, but it's being framed as a choice. The NBA did not release a press release saying that they that they suspended this guy. Correct. So I give him some credit for knowing that enough is enough. We'll judge him by his actions going forward, but that does take some maturity. He is a very young dude, younger than either one of us. Lord knows if I had that many millions of dollars, I probably would not handle it as well as I think I would handle it now. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of look like. I, did you see what Jalen Rose said? I did not. I think that give was me, a good. Give me the TLDR. So yeah, I mean, he like what? He's on the, he's on the the Fab Five teams, and he had you know a lot of fame early in his life and whatever, and he just kind of like. I think hearing from the, the former players who have dealt with this puts into perspective that this is not easy and dealing sure. with that process of changing what your life was and who was in it to what it needs to be and who needs to be in it is a very unfathomably difficult thing for all of us who have never had to do that. And I, I glad I'm glad that in that statement, he kind of said like, I need to find better methods of dealing with stress and and well-being rather than what I'm doing because that's clearly getting me in trouble. So
1: that is exactly right. I, I want to be very clear about like that my opinions on that side of it. I think that is exactly correct. Like he as a human being you you like that is how I th- is like a very good way of going about it. I my, my cynicism is just like it comes from just like okay like I I would like to it's like I when you don't hear someone say like I'm like, okay, this is, like, a journalism or thing. When I, like, have to, like, write something for, like, my day job or, like, write something, and it's, like, I always, like, make it clear that, like, when it's, like, I don't like to use when someone said something when it's, like, in a press release or something because, like, I didn't actually hear them say it. Like, I want, I I would like to see, like, how, what he has to say when he gets asked about it. The other thing about this is that, like, I hope he, I kind of hope for his sake and, like, just for for everything, I think it should be more than two games. Like, go away for, like, I understand there's basketball implications and all of that but like if this is like a really big deal and like you whatever's in the Washington Post thing with the violence kind of involved in a lot of the allegations here the, the the tenor of that behavior alleged and alleged otherwise it's just like he's a star player who is one of the most popular players in the league with young people right I kind of just like I go away for more than two games Go figure this out in a in a meaningful way, and then come Mm -hmm. back. I understand their implications, but like, go worry about yourself in that sense. And I'm curious to see what the NBA does too. Like, I don't know if you saw the Bomani Jones tweets about this, but he pointed out that like J. R. Smith once got fined. Lots of them. Well, there's one that stood out to me that was like (laughs) J. R. Smith once got fined twenty five thousand dollars for posting a photo of a woman in uh in her in a
0: thong like in a bed. Mm -hmm. This is like I mean, Paul Pierce got fired from ESPN for being around people stripping yeah it's so like you know what i mean yeah. like i know it's espn versus the nba it's different but like we've yeah you're right like people get punished for even kind of like the unseemly behavior side of this let alone a firearm which you're supposed to notify the league in your team if you own and all these different like subsequent league yeah. things that that can get dicey so i i tend to agree with you that there's probably more going on behind the scenes i i kind of doubt jaw just like immediately woke up on on you know, Saturday and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'm going to step away. No, like, I, there were m- probably conversations here. And I tend to agree with you too that he, if, if like, I always try to think of it with what, the equivalent thing that I can relate to. And if I was in a situation like this or people that I've known who I've worked with, if they're on a leave of absence, that's not a week. No. You know, you need time. I, no one knows how much time. We also don't know what he's getting help. We don't know what that necessarily means, but. Uh, I just hope that, yeah. I guess I kind of hope that basketball doesn't bring him back too soon, and their their standings situation is is worrisome. So I, I don't know if that's going to hold. But yeah, I just I, I hope it
1: doesn't. I just don't care about like the standings sort of this is from the sense. Like I would rather Ja like go and do. But the, he does right. I know, and like I'm sure his team does. It is just like if the, if the work yeah. is going to get done here, and he is going to come back like a healthier person and handle stress better, and and not do the do this kind of stuff again right and like actually yeah. like that that work does not happen over the course of missing two basketball games it is like probably no. like longer than like the rest of the season like i'm not saying that but I'm, I'm not saying this is like you know you miss a month and you come back and everything's fine like this is often like lifelong like yeah like this is yeah. this is like year like this takes time and he's very young And I'm sure there are like things in his life that we'd like. I'm sure even like reporters covering Memphis, like what his interaction with or like with family and things that are like, like whatever it is, like there's just something there that has to get figured out and the work that needs to get done. It's just like that to me supersedes the basketball side of this. You just hope like it's right. But I like and but I'm also sure it's like the competitor in him is just like I would like not to I would not like to lose the two seed to the Kings.
0: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it kind of came to a head during the season. Um, and that he doesn't really, he has to pick kind of pick between the two. I think that's really where he's going to be left is, you know, ideally, like I said, with the leave of absence for an everyday person's job, you would, you would get the freedom if you're at a job that allows you that to take as much time as you need and not have to worry about any of it. NBA players don't get that. And I'm sure that only compounds the problems that maybe got him to this point is the grind and the stresses and the pressures of, of being an NBA star, but uh, obviously, something that's not going to be going away anytime soon. So we'll all get to kind of follow it as it moves forward, and eventually, probably hear from Ja about his side of it, rather than that statement that we uh, that we have to parse. Last quick bit of news, Chris James Harden, the Houston Rockets. Another strange story here. The noise is getting louder. Another feature from the Athletic: Sam Amick, Kelly Eiko. There was the report from Woj on Christmas. The connections between these two parties aren't going away, and. I don't really get it from either side.
1: I don't either. I I don't either.
0: I think it's misinformed from the Rockets' perspective and the Harden perspective. I agree. Like, they trade, like, they are,
1: if they are trying to accelerate winning because they don't have future picks, they traded those picks to get Russell Westbrook, which is what James Harden wanted, and, like, they shot themselves in the foot then. And, like, there's, like, if I, and if I am James Harden, and even if I, like, love the city of Houston and love what it offers me in terms of nightlife, which we know is very important to James Harden. Brendan. by the way, if it was, you had a birthday party, would you throw a fake cake off of your yacht? Like James Harden did. I don't think, I just, like... Hold on,
0: I, ha- I have a yacht in this? Yeah, you have a yacht. Or maybe you rented oh, okay. it, I don't
1: know. Maybe you, re- maybe you have enough money to uh, rent, like, a really nice yacht.
0: If I had yacht money, I wouldn't be worried about cake money. That's fair, I'm... I guess I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, I'm more likely to be like Daniel Plainview, like chewing steak by myself on my birthday. But that that's that's a whole other Even
0: if I had even if I had renting yacht money, I don't think I would really worry about cake money personally. A little bit, yeah, like maybe um,
1: little baby gives you enough money in this situation to just like buy like, yeah, I was like, gonna an, say, like a lot of cake. A lot <laughs> if of If cakes. I'm getting
0: if I if I'm getting the suitcase full of cash that James Harden also has been involved with as a gift, then uh, that probably pays for the cake by itself. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what's so, like, important to him. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I but think like, winning is supposed to be also right. Yeah. So like when like, like
1: he's not going to win if they go to if he goes back to Houston, this team is not equipped no. to win. You, there's no way that even if they had Harden that he shows up this year, like next year and it's like, oh, yeah, we've turned the corner like Jalen Green has not like accelerated this year and you have to keep developing him. You have to keep developing Sangoon. You have to keep developing Josh Christopher and maybe Kevin Porter Jr. And like Jabari Smith, who like really hasn't been very good for you this year. Like Harden is going to like certainly do things to like give those guys catch and shoot opportunities and all that stuff. But like he's then taking also like on ball reps away from guys that are going to be with you long in theory longer than than he ever would be. And like that to me is I I and if I'm him, why like like you could win a title, like even if you don't win it this year. Like you have a window to win with Joel Embiid. This is your best. This is your best path of all your realistic options to like win a title. And if it's Philly or Houston, Philly gives you a chance to win a title. It just does. And like maybe this is all ultimately like trying to like maximize like money. And maybe like he gets like yeah. But like maybe that's what this is. But like there's so much buzz and like smoke with this now with Woj with it. Like that. This is weird. This is just weird to me
0: more than anything else. I think from a basketball standpoint, you're right on the Philly stuff. I could see it just being leverage. I could see it. You know, he sacrificed well. Well publicized that he sacrificed in order for them to be able to pit, fit PJ Tucker and Daniel House in. House isn't even playing, so I'm sure Harden's kind of like, "What? What did I do there?" Yeah. Uh, for for that guy, I did it for that guy. But basketball situation seems pretty ideal in Philly. Basketball situation. I think if they get Wembenyama, I see it more. I think the version of Harden we've seen in Philly could actually be a pretty helpful partner for Wembenyama. I don't see it if they want to prioritize developing Jalen Green, if they get Scoot Henderson or Amen Thompson, guys who are more like ball handlers. I don't think Harden makes sense at all to, to continue to grow those players uh, developmentally. And so I don't really know why Houston would do it. I think it probably makes less sense from Houston's standpoint. It feels like the only incentive for them is respectability. And uh, not not losing good draft picks that doesn't feel like enough of a reason to get this over the hump. So I tend to feel like right now I'm still leaning. He ends up back with the Sixers for one reason or another. What do you think?
1: I agree. There's two other questions I would have about this. Number one, like, does James Harden like as much as is it like does he want to go to Houston to? like be like a veteran on a young team, but also be in Houston. Or did you want to go in Houston? Just to be in Houston. and He's going to do whatever he wants. Like what, what like there's a, there's a difference there. So like that would really, I think impact like his ability to bring the best out of Wemby and bring the best out of Jalen green. Secondly, who is like sure. going to coach this team? Because like Steven Silas is like, like probably getting fired. Who is like the coach that yeah. like you trust to like make all of that work? I can't think like there are coaches I really like who are available. There will probably be like assistants, you know, you or I like don't know or like aren't fully aware of that would do like a really good job. But like, how do you like how do you if you're Tillman Fertitta and Raphael Stone, like go through like that whole process and be like, this is the right coach to to have a James Harden plus Jalen Green plus Scoot Henderson or. Wembenyama or whatever roster, like they wh- just
0: don't fit together. I mean, it just doesn't even. Yeah. So, like, are you just fa- it doesn't like, even matter, So Are you, right? are you, are you just like, are you selling jerseys? Like, is that what you're doing here? Then why are you like? Is is that you it? know what they're doing? Tillman Fertitta told us what they're doing. They are praying for Wembenyama. He said that. I remember know, yeah, the interview. And, and, he's yeah. he's drunk or whatever, and he said praying for for Victor. So that sounds like their game plan for the next six months is is hope that the the French dude comes and saves everything <laughs> for you because. It doesn't feel like they have a whole lot of plan on the court. Doesn't seem like they have a whole lot of plan with what they're going to spend their money on. Uh, I'm, I mean, getting hard and I guess would be the best way to spend the money. You're not going to get a better player than that, but it doesn't really tell us a whole lot about a, a concrete future vision. Um, speaking of future vision, we're going to look into the crystal ball, uh, the NBA Dark Horse crystal ball. Chris, think, talk mull over debate a little bit about where these four teams might be headed. They're kind of in the middle of the pack right now. A lot of them are on win streaks or uh you know trending up. But how far can they actually go? And we're going to start with our New York Knicks. Our New York. The Knicks. World, our. The World, the the country, America's New York Knicks, the globe's New York Knicks. They're on a 7-game win streak right now. They're 5th in the East, 1 game back from Cleveland, 3rd in offense, 17th in defense, 7th in net rating. I have been obsessed with this team lately. Yeah, I've watched all three of their games this week. I think the only one I didn't watch was the Nets. They're really fun. They're legitimately good. They have a deep rotation after the deadline and with Mitchell Robinson coming back. And they have a lot of different ways they can play. I think this team is a serious playoff threat is where I'll start
1: they are the team that like if you look in the east that's like not among the contenders just like has the most like rock solid depth kind of everywhere and that that gives them like a really good place to start and like they've they've also like turned over minutes to young guys in a way that i think like tibbs has historically not been going through like the fact that emmanuel quickly is playing for them and the way he's playing is a really really big deal that that's given them a huge 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 and grimes boost. is starting mm-hmm. grimes is grimes has been playing well like this team has a lot of like just stuff and, like the josh Hart trade has been great for them like he is a competent defender. He fits what they're doing. Like it's also held that Brunson's just been on an absolute like heater for like the last month and just playing like insanely high basketball. But where I come though with this, what I think like ultimately like I feel about this team is like, I think everyone in this team is like going to be very dependable in the playoffs with one exception. And this isn't like that. He's going to be bad necessarily, but I think this team's ceiling is so reliant on like Julius Randall's variants and particularly mean as like a shooter because that heat game is like really a story to me about like how Julius Randall was like insanely hot from three. And if he's going to do that and make these like really tough threes that he takes at times, like they're not like clean catch and shoot threes. He's always taking It's like one, two dribbles pulling up, taking them. Like he's not going to go like, yeah. like he made like, I think like eight in that game. Like he's not going to do that every game. He's going to have games where he's like yeah. one of six or, or one of seven or two for eight. Like that's going to happen but when when they have him doing that and like Brunson's playing the way he is and they have just a lot of competence everywhere else and Mitchell Robinson being back has been i think really good for them they, they just like are hard to beat when Randall is that hot when he's not that hot i think they're like all, like they just are a little bit easier to kind of navigate like you don't feel like you're getting punched in the face with them offensively in that way necessarily but when when mm-hmm. when Randall is like that the ceiling on their offense just hits like this other level and it's like i Like so, like they play like this was big against Miami. They played Cleveland and New York, like like a month or two ago. At this point, I think, and Randall just like cooked them from three, and it's like there's no way you're winning this game if Randall's just going to be unconscious like that. So if he just goes hot like that in the playoffs, in particular, and is like really locked in in a series that that he can fit well in, I like they're absolutely going to be a pain in the butt to play at the very very least. And it looks like we're getting Cleveland, New York in round one is where I feel like this is headed. He's they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be like a really hard, like seven, six, seven game team kind of beating the playoffs, it feels like.
0: Let's circle back to that. I feel better about Randall this season overall. And he's had a pretty different season because we all remember the the first full COVID year, he shot 41% from deep, then he kind of got solved in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. He's taking almost three threes per game more than he did that season. He's only making 35% but I kind of like the the comfort and the commitment to taking them. Yes. Because I think what happened with the Hawks series a little bit was that they were able to just send help and just make him second guess himself when he was in that extended post area or in that mid-range area. And you're just kind of in no man's land there unless you're a killer scorer. And when he wasn't able to, be, to, to create and make shots, yeah, what are you going to do out of that spot, right? And so I almost like that he just has has decided I'm taking them if they're open. It's creating more space for Brunson, which is a secondary help there. And I just think overall, the ball moves better. They have a lot, of, a lot better personnel to connect between their star players so that it's not just dump it into Randall as much as it used to be, but Randall's going to get the ball at the end of a possession. He's going to get the ball in space. He's going to get the ball. Uh, I mean, he has the most end of shot clock jumpers that i think of anybody in the nba it feels like because they just yeah. keep moving the ball i don't even hate it uh they fit rj barrett into their offense pretty well so like i just think and he's been a big negative but i i like it yeah. better than how they used to I, use him. i'm a little out on Barrett. i just like little, the vibes a, i like the yeah
1: i'm out on barrett a little bit <laughs> i probably
0: i probably went too far yeah you you there, i'm
1: like with you like all the way in the knicks and like i'm w- with most and then of i said
0: rj barrett um, and yeah it, it, it fell apart yeah like i
1: i don't I don't try. I I think he's like the guy. Like if they play Cleveland, like Mitchell's just gonna get to hide on him, and they're gonna be like, "Hey, RJ Barrett if you beat us, that's fine." And I just like don't think he's gonna be good enough offensively to like cook you that way.
0: Let's talk about the Cavs then to close out this crystal ball for the Knicks because that's really the, the the future, right? Um, it, it seems like a lock. These two teams are gonna play each other. The Knicks are only two games up on Brooklyn, but Brooklyn is fading pretty fast here. Miami is four games also, back. Also, so also that my, feels like the four. I, five.
1: I just want to say this, like. Miami not good. Miami is absolutely going to be like a seven seed and be a pain
0: in the butt to play. Like I feel like Boston or someone, but like Miami is a pain in the butt, but like a pain in the butt in a sweep. Yeah, like five, like they're not <laughs> like a close, they, like four close games
1: they, or something. They are not good. Kevin Love like has not been good for them. Like he just yeah. like the, when they came back into the Knicks the other night, Kevin Love was like noticeably just like off the floor for like a large, large stretch of that. Um, that team is not good. Jimmy Butler rules. No. They're going
0: to be annoying. That team is not good. No, they're not very good. Um, I think if I was putting, if I was creating odds on a series, if I was creating series prices for Cavs Knicks, okay, and Cleveland gets home court, Mm -hmm. I think it would be Cavs minus like one fifteen or something. Like it would be pretty close. I really think that Cleveland is going to be pushed in this series. I think that they are a bad ma- a bad team to play when the concern already was young, experience. They're going to have to figure things out. I know the Knicks are also young, so maybe that's not as big of a factor as I'm making it out to be. But if you're telling me the Cavs have to figure out a team that's going to beat you up, play very cohesive, connected basketball, have two legitimate star players, they know what they are, and they have some of these strengths in terms of, uh, you know, rebounding and size and uh, free throw rate, things that the Cavs are middling in compared to things that are elite in. I don't know. If you told me that, that the Knicks won like a road game seven to win that series, it would not shock me.
1: Yeah, I will. We'll transition, I think, into, into Cleveland next because they are in this discussion. Yeah, let's do it. I, I agree with you on that. I think like there are there are. If there's one thing that I would feel good about if I'm Cleveland that in terms of how you match up against Brooklyn, I think it you ha- it's it was going to be very relied on J.B. Bickerstaff just like playing him enough and riding out some of the offensive ups and downs. But Okoro has given Brunson like a lot of issues this year defensively. Like he has put Brunson in like a very tricky spot. And if you cut that off, I think to some degree you're going to find some success. And I think that puts you in a really, really good spot. But the the thing about the, the Knicks that I would feel great about if I'm them versus Cleveland is like, they're just deep, like they're deeper. They have better, like a better top, like their best players yep. are not better than Cleveland's best players. Like Mitchell, no. Mitchell's the best player in the series. And like, I think you could like, I think I would take Arlen over Brunson, but I think like, like, if you wanted to argue that, I'm not going to like scream at you and tell you you're like completely stupid, right? like Brunson in particular this year has just just been better and we've also seen him in the playoffs before. We have not seen Darius Garland yeah in the playoffs go through this before.
0: So that And I think that the thing about Brunson too with that is I think we know what he does will translate like I can see it maybe more easily immediately translating to his first heavy load playoff series than we well, had a he had a practice he had like a, i he could had see garland a, figuring it out right brunson had a some time to brunson it. had a practice run
1: is the thing like he had that Luke, Luca's sure. out like and he gets the practice yep. run which is a really big Against deal the for jazz him.
0: who were just
1: blowing up and, yeah. and donovan mitchell just not not trying on defense at all um i would really like this yep. in the playoffs just for the record like i there's a lot of drama the knicks will push the Cavs buttons in a fun way uh like Josh Hart is maybe the best way to explain like the differences between these two teams because like the Cavs like had interest in Josh Hart at the deadline. They did not have the assets to go get Josh Hart. They would like clearly benefit from a guy that even if he's not the perfect shooter and like the perfect three and D fit and blah blah blah. Like Josh Hart just like yeah. adds to like a team when you need some certain things and is like ready to win and like they just he would be playing like a ton of minutes. He would just be playing like a, a crap ton of minutes for them. And- I
0: mean, he's allowed the Knicks to not have to close with RJ, right? Like, uh-huh. And now they have they have a little bit more flexibility. Like I always go back to that, you know, the, the playoffs. You got to have answers to different stuff. And I think Hart gave them a little bit more malleability to where I don't worry. I, I think the Cavs would have been a, maybe a good matchup for the Knicks either way. But now you just feel that much better. They have multiple different things that they can go to. Let's jump over to the Cavs, though in-depth here, Chris. So they're fourth in the East, one game up on the Knicks, like we just talked about, ninth in offense, third in defense, second in net rating. Um, to focus in on them for a second, I feel... Just tell me who you think the team's top eight rotation is in a must-win game five. I mean, you... Who, who are six through eight outside of the starters? It's it's LaVert, Rubio, and Wade, and I, I think if you feel bad about that, you should. You
1: should. Because... <laughs> Uh, I, I have a Locked on Cavs episode coming out on Monday that people can can check out. And one of the th- I, I talked about Dean Wade in the top segment because he against the Pistons, he again, like didn't take the open three, swung his way and he didn't make the other the two threes he took. And like, so let's sit on Dean Wade for a second, because I like the Cavs deep cut. D- look. We're, we're in the weeds. No, of the it's, play- it's, it matters. We're here. Yeah, yeah, it matters.
0: The Cavs made it's a- just kind of crazy to think like Dean Wade is going to like swing a playoff series. Well,
1: and like they need they need him to play well, because when they got when Kevin Love leaves, they were like, OK, we're, we want to give Dean Wade playing time. And he's been capped out of like 10 to 15 minutes. And like he is, I think, a better basketball player in 2023 than, than Kevin Love is because he can he can defend. He's a little bit stronger. He can like handle some switches. Particularly against wings, like he can hold up against straight line drives against wings in a way that I think you feel good about. If you play like Boston or something, like you're you're not for, you're not happy about it. But if like Jalen Brown puts a shoulder into him or something, like you you he's gonna survive more than than you think he might. Good enough shooter when he actually shoots. A little more athletic gives you like some off the bounce stuff. But there's two things that Kevin Love did, especially when he was healthy and playing well, that were really like important vital skills to Cleveland. That was. Just an un- un- unconscious shooting from three and just letting them fly on catch and shoot opportunities, and he could throw outlet passes that jump started their offense and gave them a little bit of juice. Dean Wade doesn't provide those two things in the same way, and you feel like the difference there in a very real way. Even if I think Dean is probably like better right now, like in everything he can do and more versatile than what Kevin Love is, that and like he he's their backup big. Like in the playoffs, mm-hmm. they are gonna play Mobley and Allen is the only like those are the only two guys that are gonna play. They're gonna play minutes. Wade is the backup and he's going to be needed to shoot threes and do all the stuff on the wing. And it has been like kind of a, like he had a shoulder injury earlier in the year that I, maybe it's still bothering him in his head. He still wears like one of those compression sleeves over the top, but it has not been like a perfect transition for him into this role that they need him to play up into.
0: I just, I think that the Cavs bench is, is thin enough, especially again, thinking about a Knicks series we don't usually feel like that's going to decide a playoff series, but I, you could tell me that a game or two is swung because the bench minutes are so aggressively in the Knicks' favor. Um, but let's talk about the star player, Donovan Mitchell. I had in my notes that I don't like how reliant they are on Mitchell offensively. You had in your notes that I'm overstating that. So let's talk about that because uh, I'm I'm saying that for two reasons. One is... You watch the Boston game they played this week. You watch some of the the games that they've scored a lot or had to make a big push. It's mostly all him. Pull-up jumpers, driving to the basket, getting the free throw line, whatever it might be. That's the evidence. I I would also say I've also watched Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs before. And most of the time, the offense is him. Yeah, and that's not a problem because it's been very good. But... I don't necessarily feel like playoff Donovan Mitchell is the guy that is taking the ball into his hands and getting other players involved, get, you know, whatever. And I think that him and Garland have fit together. Great. But I think that's another element of the adjustment we're going to need to see of those two playing off of one another in a, you know, seven game series when the game plan is aimed at them, not being able to do that. And I feel like Mitchell will end up being the guy who does it himself. That might take them a long way anyway, but it, w- it always is just going to worry me if a lot is based on one player scoring 30 plus every night.
1: I think we're where I just disagree a little bit is I think you're overstating just like that. It is like like and this isn't like you're not the only person that is like I've had this conversation with, to be clear. Like I, th- I and I get how you get here because this is, has been Mitchell's team, I think, in a lot of ways. But Garland is like the master of like the game within the game, kind of setting everything up and making everything function. And then he, and you could, you would like him to be a little more aggressive and turn that dial up and take some more pull up threes and stuff. But this is very much a guy, I think, that is really complimentary to Mitchell. Is gonna like, like his lineups have been better. Like the Cavs have been better when he's on the floor. It's like by like two points per run of possession. So not like a massive number. But they've been better when he's on the floor with Mitchell off versus Mitchell on and Garland off. That is, that has been true yep. for most of the year, and it is it is as those lineups have gotten better, and they've been a little bit better. They've been better with Garland off versus Mitchell off or Mitchell on. Me. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's gonna. I think what is gonna be challenging is he's gonna have to like grow into the playoffs like very fastly and learn and pick his spots and be yeah. aggressive. And like he got to, they got the playing game last year when he was like him on his own on an island in terms of his usage rate in terms of having to do everything. And like he, I, I'm curious to see. Like what that looks like. I also don't think he's gonna have a hard time transitioning after like a game or two. Maybe that's enough to make the series more uncomfortable than, than you'd like if you're Cleveland, or more competitive than you'd like if uh, based on how good I think they are. But like that team, yeah. He 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 is just as important about how everything functions. My issue, Brendan, really just is is beyond beyond this, and it's maybe feeds into the Mitchell stuff. Is I I you mentioned having solutions. I don't always feel like the Cavs, like, have the right roster to to adjust to have solutions. Evan Mobley is the guy that ultimately is going to, like, maybe get to do that for you in some ways, and we've seen snippets of it here and there. Uh, they played Miami. They put him on Butler. Like, he defended Tatum at times against Boston. He's going to do that. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, like, they played Boston or someone around too. two, like, he gets that assignment. But, like, they don't have the roster that, like... Like, if... Th- but maybe the best way to put this. They played Boston last week. Boston benched Grant Williams for that entire game because yeah. Grant Williams is a bad matchup. The Cavs don't have anyone. Mm-hmm. They they would Grant Williams would play 30 minutes a night, night in and night out, if they had Grant Williams. That that is the difference between them and everybody else in the East right now.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's part of it is it I mean, it's the depth, but it's also just I think of the answers as being more offensive. I just don't think, you know, I could see a game against the Knicks where You know, their their role players are making shots. Randall's making those threes, like you mentioned. Brunson's just driving. They're playing, you know, five out, or they're even playing with, you know, Robinson in the pick and roll or whatever it might be. And they're just scoring at a really high level, and Cleveland can't match that unless it's Mitchell. And that's why I come back to, because of the way that the other guys are, the way that the roster is, the unprovenness of somebody like Mobley to be that dominant kind of third guy you can go to, I feel like they're going to get in these games where they have no choice, but for for Mitchell to, to try to save them, that's what we've seen in a lot of these big games. And uh I'm not sure, but uh let's pick let's just let's just throw a prediction out there. We're in the crystal ball. Cavs Knicks first round. If I just ask you right now, what what's your pick uh, in terms of winner and number of games? Cavs in 7. Okay, I would have Knicks in 7. Uh, Brandon, so we're close. I mean, that's a that's a tough first round series. Yeah. So but uh, let's jump into will, the West. But
1: though. if this happens and you and I are at Summer League together, uh, loser loser buys the, the first beer at uh, one of the casinos.
0: OK, that sounds great. OK uh i will enjoy this series either way so i'll be happy to buy a beer if it means a seven game pretty competitive series all right let's jump into the west though golden state warriors five game win streak fifth in the west one well, game back from the sun we should note we're in the middle they are
1: currently there's 38.4 yeah, right now right? 38.4 <laughs> seconds yeah. left they're down six curry's been really good in the fourth but it looks like that winning streak might be over
0: true thank you that is that streak will be dead but they are Still playing a lot better lately. The middle of the West is surprisingly tightening up between three and five, which had not been the case for a bit uh, with Golden State, Phoenix, and Sacramento all playing pretty well. Interesting to me, Chris, from a statistical standpoint, 12th in offense, 11th in defense, 9th in net rating. This team had been kind of middling for a while. They're creeping up to top 10 in both, which uh, I I guess just kind of contributes to how crazy and weird this season has been overall. Mm-hmm. But is it time to believe in the Warriors? I, I'm kind of
1: there. We When we had Wes Goldberg on, he kind of like crapped on us. we both being like take, where we would have taken them in our contenders draft. We were both like, they're probably going to figure it out. And Wes was like, there's no evidence. And like to they suggest they're going to be good. And he's not wrong. But like, I think I mean, the
0: evidence is uh, last June. Right. And like all the stuff when they when they, when, when they won the NBA championship. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I like I I we've hit on this a
1: lot. I don't think that like we've there's been enough discussion about like what not no Otter Porter Jr. means. I think that's a big deal. But if Curry's there, if Draymond's there, Clay is playing the way he's playing and he's hitting more threes per game than he ever has. He looks like awesome the last like two months, month, month and a half, whatever. What happens with Wiggins and like what he looks like when he comes back feels like a really, really big deal. But this team like could like if this team went on a run and like was annoying and like made the finals again or something, like I wouldn't be shocked. Like I'm watching yeah. like like Dante Vincenzo has like been great for them, is a really perfect warrior. And it's just like, okay, like, and they'll get Gary Bray in the second back, and that that's okay. But like they have clay, Steph is not back. I feel like they're probably gonna be like right there in the playoffs. Like if you were to pick them against like the Clippers or like the Kings. Or like the Grizzlies. Are you I like is it wrong to say like I might favor Golden State in all three of those? Maybe not the Clippers if if they normalize, but that's like the anti-Clippers. But TBD. like But like would you take yeah. the Warriors against the Kings? I I think I probably would. Would I take them against the Grizzlies? Yeah, I, I, I would take the would.
0: Warriors over over probably all three of those teams right now. But we're also talking about a time at a time when the Grizzlies and the Clippers are at rock bottom uh, for different reasons, but but just really it's crumbling around them. Sure. So I, I think that might be different in a month. Uh, let's get on. Uh, let's talk about Clay Thompson a little bit in more in detail because I think he's kind of the big story for me. Twenty five point one points per game, forty six percent shooting, forty five percent from deep since February first. If he keeps that pace up, he will get to his career best scoring average for a season. You mentioned the three point thing that's been going around that he's on pace. He's making right now more threes per game than he has in any season. The Steph off minutes when he's on the bench have been a big forever, right? Outside of when Durant was there, it's been a big problem for them that they kind of perpetually need to try to solve. The Warriors, a lot of that's Steph just not even playing in the game. So it's not a perfect one-to-one comparison. But they're plus 1.9 per 100 possessions with Clay on the court and Steph off the court. For the season at this point, that's pretty exciting to me. When you think about the chemistry that him and pool have kind of gotten where, you know, pool is deferring to Thompson, which def- pool deferring is a uh, two words that don't always go in the same sentence. <laughs> no, I think you can, I think you can figure out some cool things there. If, if clay is able to be more of that secondary score, he wasn't even really that last year. No. I think offensively, he's at a better place now than he was heading into last year's playoffs defensively. I don't know enough to to say one way or another. I don't feel like it's been a problem, but he's always going to be a little worse than he used to be. Well, and- I just think that they've been able to make strides with other things, whether it's the rotation like you pointed out or Clay taking a step forward while Curry's been out. And now they have a decent amount of time now that he's back to have some chemistry and momentum going into a month from now. What what would be the, I guess, not even the play in They're kind of looking that in the rearview mirror at this point. They'll just probably play the Suns in the first round and, and hit the ground running. Are you going to survive that? That could be an all-time series, man. Like, especially when you factor in the Durant Warriors stuff. Just like I me- could really be like the scoring juggernaut. Just like seven games, crazy series. The scoring outputs in those series could just be like
1: incredible. Guaranteed to get some like Chris Paul and like Draymond like shithousery in a way that I I think would be great. Yeah, sign me up. I would like that. I I would I would. Quite enjoy that as someone who could get to watch it from afar and like sit on like a couch and just be like, ah, oh, wow, it's late in the East Coast, but I get to watch this like beautiful and brennan's like in the
0: arena, just being like, oh my god, like what is like just the tension. I'm not doing a bet on that one. If that's uh, w- w- <laughs> I need to see it first. I need to see more of these Suns. Uh, they, I think I, they play one more time. I would take the Suns. They though. play I'm, Monday, I'll, March thirteenth.
1: I'll, I'll be so that'll be a huge one. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll be. Talking about that one when we record uh thank you, NBA gods, for not knowingly scheduling us a, a game like that that we can then record the next day on and have it come yeah, out. So perfect. that's great. Um I just want to say the the last thing about I want to say about the Warriors, it's just about Clay. And like we have to give guys time coming off of injury. I understand like we live in a very now society. Sports are like, what have you done for me lately? kind of thing. Clay needed time if this was ever gonna happen, and to play through it and be healthy for a while, and that has happened and the NBA is a better place with like clay is good i love clay clay is yeah one of the best shooters we've ever seen he is just like absolutely like back to like a really really high level now i love that he get i love that this has happened for him it was never like a lock to happen right like this was never like something that you could like bet your life savings on that this was going to be what how it turned out for him coming off of the injuries he did and it is awesome that i was it has looking out at correctly.
0: I was looking at his basketball reference today and it just, I, this is going to sound so basic, but like, it really jumped out to me to just see those two entire seasons. Yeah. Just gone. Gone. (laughs) Two. It's just, I know it's obvious. It's like the whole story about Klay Thompson the past few years. But when you really just think like a player missing one season is like the first sentence in their retirement story. He did it. He missed two for two different reasons and then came back to win a title. And then he might break his single season scoring average career record like that's that's absurd. And it really even if he's not Clay Thompson, capital K, capital T, although I know their name. So they're capitalized. He he absolutely is is better than I thought he would ever be. All right, let's close out with the Sacramento Kings also on a win streak, although I think they they play somebody no, they're off on Sunday. So that that streak has continued. Third in the West, three games up on the Suns. Those teams face each other twice, which is interesting. Uh, the Kings are first on offense, 25th in defense, 8th in net rating. I think keeping the three seed is really important for them. And at the same time, if they keep it or even jump to number two, because I think they're only like a few games back there, mm-hmm. I could see them really pushing Dallas or the Clippers if it just becomes if the Clippers can't stop anybody and Dallas can't stop anybody, that plays right into the Kings hands. And if you're just saying like who wins a, a seven game shootout and the Kings had the upper hand, I that 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 recipe would not surprise me. I think that they're they are they are genuine. They are very good. They have not really had a slump. They've maintained that three seed. Their offense is pretty much unguardable when Sabonis and Fox and their shooters have it going. They are a real threat. This is not just going to be a team that's fake and gets blown out in the first round and we we forget about them.
1: No, and like think about how valuable whatever happens in the playoffs for them is is gonna be. Like if they get the two seed and get a chance to like advance out of the first round against a lesser opponent, you know, maybe they like get the like, can I? Can we get Kings? Lake if the Lakers can like put it together enough, and they did just beat the Warriors, AD was great. Give me Kings Lakers around
0: a rematch of the last time they were in the playoffs too, which is brutal. And like,
1: hey, it's like, hey, you made the playoffs, Kings. You have to deal with LeBron. You have to deal with AD. Like, let's go. Like, that would be great. Like, that would be great for them. That would be really great for them. Um, as hard as that would be, and as like palpitation inducing, that what I'm sure that would be for for Kings fans. Like, that would be I think a really great thing for Deer and Fox and these guys to go through. I also like really like to team, Brennan, in part because like I know I Mike Brown gave this interview recently to, to Chris Herring uh, at Sports Illustrated where he talked about like the defense and like he's like, you know, we're trying. And it's like I know knowing Mike Brown and like knowing what he's about as a basketball coach, I'm sure the defense being like 25th is just absolutely killing <laughs> it's killing him
0: inside. I'm sure it's it, crazy. Like the, it's it's kind of with with uh, Thibodeau, too, though, with the Knicks they're like an all offense team with the defensive coach and it's and it's just like that's so maybe the era we're in you know and like the kind of centers these teams
1: have well, at least in the kings case but like they've been awesome and like like we we talked a lot on we and like there's been a lot of discussion about SGA and how he's killed it despite like not being like a really really plus plus three point shooter fox is kind of a version of that too he's not like super high volume he's never going to be like 35 like 36 37% from 3 He's, like, doing a lot of his work this year, having, like, a, a by far career-high number on twos and, like, really doing his damage in there and, like, embracing that that's part of his game, you know? Um, we have this air... Like, he's doing that with the speed and all that. He's been, obviously, like, statistically, like, the most clutch player in the league. Like, he's going to probably win that award that I don't remember the name of. Like, he's been awesome in the clutch. This team's great. I hope they get a two... I, I think them getting a two seed would be, like, just a ton of fun. And, like, give, give me King... Like... Let's let's pull up. I gotta pull up the standings and, and look like who's in the plane. Um
0: I mean it's right I now, I was now a It's a The West Pelicans. is just
1: like a, a bloodbath of changing seeds in the way that the East is like a little bit less so. But that team's great. Gimme give, give me all the king stuff possible.
0: I uh the thing that I'm focusing on right now with them is Keegan Murray. He's shooting 43% from the field since February 1st. He's kind of hit that rookie wall a little bit. And if, and they're worse with him on the court on the season, he's a rookie. He's a feel good story. He's uh, overachieved, make, making that pick look better than we thought it would look, all that good stuff. But when you're talking about the playoffs, the stories and the better than expected doesn't really cut it. And if they don't have him, they're even smaller. Trey Lyles is kind of their only reliable like forward option. He's very slow and, and not super athletic, so there's some series that he can't play. I think if they got a s- certain matchups, I think could pose them problems, like the Timberwolves, for instance. I think with Gobert and, Town- and Towns' size, Anthony Edwards just driving to the basket, that even could pose some problems. Like there's, They're going to have to kind of get the right team, too, but I do think if it's Dallas or the Clippers and it's just who's scoring 150, I I do think they could be competitive in a series like that.
1: I so I just I opened up Twitter for a second and someone pointed out the the clip of Chris Paul noticing that the Mavericks only had four players at the one point and he's like counting. I love I love Chris Paul. Delightful. We're, I'm sorry to like not talk about the Kings, but, but I like opened up Twitter just, to see like yeah.
0: No, just the idea of <laughs> the idea of that game and the level of stress and craziness and we're all like catching our breath from watching it. And he's able to notice there's only four guys on the court with everything else that's going through his mind. It's just, it's exactly what makes Chris Paul a pain in the ass, but also the most fun player. In
1: the I, I love him forever. I aspire to like have that amount of organization um, in my life in that way. But shout out to the, I, the Keegan Murray thing is a really good shout just because he's had like a really interesting rookie year in terms of his three point shooting and the profile of what it would seem to indicate he's going to be as an NBA player, right? But it is also just like, okay, like is it is it gonna be good enough like for him to get to go through some of this stuff? And I almost would like want Mike Brown to ride it out with him to some degree, just to be like, hey, like, get get the reps.
0: Yeah, I think you start him, right? Like you you keep starting him unless it's like a game seven and you really need to adjust or but whatever. But even then, but, like, but even you know, I just think that he might not close. It, it might just have to be something where if you really like, cause that's the thing. I don't know. I'm willing to hold the kings to a little bit of a higher standard than like really great job everybody yeah. like you know the little kid with the orange slices like he, they want to win the first round and like they're gonna have to do different things to win that like I don't think it's I don't know if I'm a Kings fan I'm not sitting there like all right good time no, guys absolutely go home. we'll see whatever happens next I year. mean like, cat.
1: I can tell you Cass fans don't feel that way if they like get Donovan Mitchell you know what I mean like they don't feel that way um yeah exactly well and, like exactly. who would have thought on our NBA like season bingo card that like the Sacramento Kings would be much more likely to get out of the first round and like get this playoff experience in the freaking Pelicans, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah, not to be like a dick to the Pelicans, but
0: no, uh, man, let's just hope we see Zion this season. I think with with the Pelicans. Um, but no, the the point about Fox with the twos is is super interesting. It's a little different because it's like. He's doing it because he's just not good at making brains. He and he's, he's yeah, still He doesn't him. have
1: like the like the the same like body control, footwork kind of thing that Shea does. But it's like he's absolutely. Yeah. Clear, but he's like he gets runners. He gets it on the break. Like he's like one of the most dynamic, like
0: speedy. Like the speed he unlocks with some of that stuff is just like it's great. And he can get to his spot right. It's not just like beating you to the basket. It's like he's beating you to where he wants mm-hmm. to go, rather than just I'm gonna go try to dunk I, it on your head, I, which. Felt like the reputation he had before this season, and now it's like, oh no, he can stop on a dime mm. too, and get to that elbow and make the shot, and and get to the rim if he needs to, and whatever. He's he's a super, super. He's gonna score thirty yeah. plus, I think, in the first round. You know, like that. That's that's legit.
1: Last Kings thing I have for you is all NBA third team center. We obviously know one one is one first team is gonna be B, the other one is gonna be and second team will be Okic or vice versa, probably depending on who wins MVP. Is Sabonis third team All NBA center? Is like that? Would like would he be like the favorite for that right now? Is it Bam? Is it like is there another candidate?
0: It's probably those two. I I would have to look deep deeper statistically, but my instinct would be Sabonis, Pr- mostly because of yeah, team success. I agree. You know, it's like if they're pretty close, they're very different uh-huh. players. But if they're pretty close. In terms of their case, then I'm going to default to, well, what you did mattered more because it resulted in winning. And it's not like the Kings have some great roster compared to Miami. I mean, you know, they're both like middling talent teams. They're very good, but not, you know, elite. So I I would go Sabonis. Well,
1: yeah, I would too, and Like, like. The team success thing, I think, should matter. Um, and like even just for the con- the construct of this podcast, Brendan, it's like we put the Kings in here. We did not put the Miami
0: Heat no. in here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, well, the Kings have been winning games, and the-, the Heat have not. So, all right, that was our crystal ball. I think all these teams could win a first-round series, if not more. So uh, that was kind of why we wanted to dive into the middle. But that'll wrap us up. Hit followers, subscribe, wherever you're finding the show. Five stars give us a nice review on apple all that good stuff we're also on social media wherever you are tiktok instagram twitter facebook all of it and we will talk to you guys later this week